You're listening to Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and um, Fifth Quarter ACC. Nick, you were boots on the ground in ACC country for, I don't know what we want to call the Wake Forest win over Florida State. We'll get into that in a little bit, but we'll just say a uh, good day for the Deeks at the bare minimum here. But how are things going for you in uh, good old North Carolina? Things are good. Uh Man, when I said pray for me on Saturday with those. So you'll never believe this. It was like the perfect storm at my parents' deli this weekend. Because not only did we have the crowd for the Wake Forest Florida State game at 3.30, but Wake Forest University decided to redo the 2020 graduation which also is our busiest day of the year. So we had the football crowd and a lot of graduation crowd too. So I was very pleased that I was able to make the Wake Florida State game. Um, but shout out to my, the, my host, Josh Graham, who uh, is the host of The Drive on WSJS Sports. He's the one who got me the ticket very late on Friday night. Actually, I was at the, you'll appreciate this, Micah. I was at the dash game Friday night and he texted me. He's like, Hey, you want, I got two tickets. You want to go? Uh, I'm not going. So, uh, I went, my brother followed along and it was fun. I had a good time, uh, but we'll definitely get to that game in a minute. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, uh, for once was not traveling for college football. I was supposed to go watch two games in one, but it required a six hour drive to Colorado. So I decided just to Take it easy this week, took in a D2 game here locally in, in good old Carney, Nebraska, but gave me a chance to actually watch college football all day. I mean, I watched uh, at least five, ten minutes of every single one of these ACC games, and it was nice. I mean, I, I still watch condensed games of most of these, but I didn't have to do that uh, on this morning like I normally do because I was able to kind of actually get some of the in-the-moment reactions. So a little bit more excited to be a little bit, feel a little bit more knowledgeable about this week's games. And it also helped too, because because I actually watched the games, I was able to get a lot of my rants out either on Twitter through what people were tweeting or just taking advantage of the fact that I could yell in my hotel room or excuse me, my apartment. I live in an extended stay hotel, hashtag sweet life with my hotel. But <laughs> yeah, um, got a chance just to rant about these games. Uh, you know, I, I was frustrated about my, personal team's outcome uh, with Virginia looking great on offense again. <laughs> yeah. I think they forgot to turn tackling on with the sliders uh, and the game mode. So not great. We'll get into that obviously, but let's kick it off. It was, let's kick it off with this, Nick. If you had to summarize this week in the ACC, how would you summarize it? Uh, it was, eh. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Uh, Clemson not taking care of Georgia Tech like we thought they would kind of hurts a lot. Uh, Pitt hurts a lot. But, you know, Micah, what I came to realize this week was it's not just the ACC. I think this is all of college football. Everyone, a lot of unexpected things are happening. We've already had – it's we just finished week three – We've already had two top five teams lose in the first two weeks. We've had a couple top 10 teams lose. Notre Dame doesn't look good. Ohio State doesn't look good. I mean, Clemson, uh, Oregon looks fantastic. 
Uh, UCLA lost. Oklahoma doesn't look very strong. Uh, even Alabama. And, yeah, they played Florida number 11, but I'll, I'll admit the one who said that I wasn't so high on Florida, but now Florida seems like they're going to give Georgia a lot tougher challenge than I previously thought. Um, I don't think this is just the ACC. And we're seeing more and more crazy upsets throughout the entire country. More FCS schools are winning. More group of five schools are being power five schools. So while I think we started off, as in we, I mean the ACC, started off with the bad losses here and there, I think it's all trickling over. This is going to be a very crazy college football year. One that we're going to look back on and be like, there was not a very dominant team. I bet Bama loses sometime this season. I think they will. And there wasn't really, I think right now you can still say the SEC is the most dominant conference right now, but by the end of the year, it's going to be by barely much. Yeah, I would, the way, the way I want to describe this weekend, the ACC, it was French vanilla. Let's be honest. That's just basically plain, but it adds a fancy title to make it look better than it actually was. I like I like what you brought up with it's not just the ACC because again we still no matter how rough we look we are not the Pac-12 and they look brutal so at least we have that but yeah no I mean this college I was glad and I got to really watch college football this week I have I had seven screens going at one point watching a ton of games it was awesome and like again yeah obviously some of these ACC games are included in this craziness but. Nebraska giving Oklahoma a run for their money. Minnesota blanking Colorado on the road. Kent State almost being within two points of Iowa in the, late in the third quarter until the, the I believe it was either the quarterback or the running back extended the ball at the half-yard line and fumbled, and it was picked up by Iowa, and they almost housed it. So it would have been a 16-14 to game turning to 23-7 to in favor of Iowa. And this is, you know, Kent State we're talking about. Purdue plays Notre Dame close. Kansas State with a backup quarterback rolls Nevada. I'm just going through all my helmets. SMU's Hail Mary touchdown to beat Louisiana Tech. I don't know if you saw that, Nick, but Louisiana Tech's guy batted the ball down. You know what you're supposed to do in the end zone? Well, it ended up landing in an SMU receiver's hands for a touchdown. Uh, Mississippi State getting screwed over by their own officials against Memphis. Yeah. North, again, this is a C game, but Northwestern looking like absolute dog shit in the first half against Duke. Toledo, a team that we were all hyping up after their wonderful performance against Notre Dame, loses to probably one of the worst teams in college football in Colorado State at home on their homecoming by like two touchdowns. I mean, it was just insane. We had Eastern Michigan struggles with UMass. So maybe the Mac has worse teams than I thought. I mean, it was just chaos weekend. I mean, Fresno State, UCLA was an incredible game. And Arizona, maybe becoming the worst power five team in college football, now has the longest losing streak in college football by losing to Northern Arizona, a team that was 0-2 going into the game as an FCS team. I mean, again, just an incredibly fun weekend. That Auburn-Penn State game was great. I'm trying to think if there's any other games that I really kind of want to mention here, but like – just again was ECU beating Marshall, you know, in, in the North Carolina backyard. Like ECU has looked decent over the last two weeks, but Marshall's looked really good. And then they go up to Huntington and pull that one off on beautiful Facebook. That's how you had to watch that game. I actually was on Facebook for a while watching college football. 
So just again, what a what a fun weekend in college football. And the ACC definitely played a role in that. Kicking it off, of course, with Friday night's game, Louisville beating UCF. And Nick, I I thought it was funny because I got almost the exact same feeling I got in that game near the end there as I did with that Florida State Jacksonville State game. Or after Louisville turned the ball over, I debated like just turning it off or just like again, like having it on, but just you know, getting on TikTok or something like that, just because it's like, okay, UCF's gonna drive down the field here, settle for a field goal, walk it off, kind of thing. Kind of like what I felt like with Florida State and um Jacksonville State, where I was like, ah, no, like something, something's weird's gonna happen still. Like keep it on, don't turn it off. Like, you know, the the gut instinct that just says move on. So now nah, hold up a second. And the next thing you know, I kid you not, the next play is that pick six for Louisville to to be the icing on the cake. So Nick, are we, because we both kind of agreed we felt the same way about Louisville. I don't think I'm taking them back just yet, but I definitely am taking them to the movies next week. (laughs) Yeah, they impressed me a lot. I had just made it home to catch the fourth quarter, um, and that was great. I mean, the back-to-back interceptions, that was insane in itself. I thought that was really something to see there um that does suck though uh dylan gabriel is out for ucf with a clavicle injury i think it was on that last play uh for ucf when they try to like pull something uh with like six seconds to go but louisville i was very scared of this game we previewed louisville uh back in august and this was the game you and i had circled where UCF is one of those teams that wants to be power five and guess what? They're about to be power five in the next few years. And they always want to come to the ACC and they've been beating ACC teams. They've beaten Carolina. They've beaten Georgia tech. Um, And we needed Louisville to take a step forward. Okay. Throw out the old miss game, bad tape. Cunningham looked terrible. um, And the defense looked awful. Everything was just bad. Throw that out. Ole Miss is a very good team. Eastern Kentucky, whatever. You're supposed to do that. UCF, this is the game that we thought is going to make or break Louisville. Are they going to compete this year? And they played very well. Uh, I'm very impressed with the win. Uh, Cunningham looked great. Every, I mean, Scott Satterfield, he looked like he was in it with the guys and everything. So that's why I kind of bumped him up in my ACC power rankings to eight, I think it was. Uh, just because, you know, yeah, it's a group of five, but this is no ordinary group of five. So great win for Louisville. Uh, and it was a great way to kick things off for the ACC. And Malik Cunningham willed Louisville to this game for sure. Um, you know, again, they, they so far, I mean, they haven't looked great, but they've done exactly what I've kind of expected from them. In terms of what I was obviously expectations going into the year, you know, I had them as a seven and five, eight and four type team. And at this point, they would have to be two and one for that. So they're they're on the pace. I mean, they go to Florida State this week, which we'll get to Florida State, but not feeling too bad about that one as I was going into the year. So definitely something to to keep an eye on here uh, with the cards. But great job, Louisville kind of gave the ACC because they were that primetime game, gave them some love. You know, it's always nice to shut up UCF too. It's always, I mean, I love the whole, you know, AAC's P6 thing, but at some point, like, 
it's fun just to shut up UCF because they think that they're so much better that their crap don't stink. But it's fun to uh, to take care of business there. And again, yeah, my regards to, to Dylan Gabriel. Again, it stunk that it was the last play, just trying to create a miracle. And not only did you not pull off the miracle, but now they may, you know, obviously they're going to be down him for a little while, which I'm assuming actually means the rest of the year. I broke my clavicle in high school and that, uh, it was uh, brutal. It wasn't as bad. I mean, obviously, it's not as bad as some injuries in the world, but especially if you're a quarterback, you're not going to be able to, uh, to to throw the way you want to for the next, I think it's only four to five months. So I'm assuming he's done for the year. So I hope UCF doesn't completely fall off the face of the earth. Normally, they're pretty deep in the quarterback position. But yeah, thoughts to them. But uh, let's move on to Saturday. There was a Loaded early slate for the ACC. We had what one, two, three, four, we had five games at noon, and not really good ones. I, I say, hmm, do we want to go negative or, or, or positive first, Nick, in these new games? Let's do the negative because I think these are some of the bigger teams that we thought were going to succeed this week. All right, well, we'll start with the team that I'm, I was glad that I was right about them being overrated, but I'm actually concerned that I still wasn't right because I didn't think Miami was going to be this brutal. Miami losing 38-17 to Michigan State, and Miami really – again, I don't know if you've watched the condensed game, Nick, or got a chance to keep that on. Obviously, if you were busy at work, you probably didn't get to watch it live. Miami had so many chances to have the lead on Michigan State in the first half. And then finally, Michigan State just said, enough's enough. Like, we've, we've given you too many. You didn't take advantage? That's on you. I mean, call me crazy, Nick. I mean, I didn't like your whole Manny Diaz getting fired thing. I'm still not 100% on board. But they uh, – all I got to say is they better be <laughs> – I don't even know if it's possible, but – they better be four and two going into that NC State game, but that includes Virginia at home on a Thursday night, a bye week, which Miami loves to lose off of, and going to Chapel Hill. So, I mean, we, Nick, we could be talking about a three and three or possibly even a two and four Miami team. Is that right? Two and two. Yeah, two and four, three and three, hosting your Wolfpack in mid October or I guess more later October. That's not boding well for Miami. Their next four games, excluding Central Connecticut State next week, Virginia at North Carolina, NC State at Pitt. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't see any guaranteed wins there. I don't don't even know if I see a team that I think is favored, even though Virginia looked like they couldn't stop anything last night against North Carolina. I think both Virginia and NC State and even Pitt, who we'll get to in a minute, still look about as good as Miami does. And if not better, I mean, I think their best shot is Virginia in order to be favored in. Like, going into the week, that's their best shot being favored in. And that's no easy game, too, because I argue Carolina is better than Miami. And Virginia did very well to get back into that game. So, look, I guess I'm 
I'm still on the train of look, Manny Diaz, like this is going to be a rough week or no, I'm sorry, not rough week. This is going to be a rough month with the teams that they got to play. And if they don't come out of it successfully, we might not see them. Um, the teams are just either right there with them or they're just better. Carolina, Virginia, State, and Pitt. Uh, I don't know. I will say I am very impressed with Michigan State, though. I did not see 38 points uh, for Michigan State. And that's also, hey, our old guy, Kenneth Walker from Wake, had 172 rushing yards. That's very, very impressive. Um, I either thought Miami was barely going to win this game and a low-scoring game, like 17 to 13, something like that, or they were just going to destroy them. But that didn't happen either. So I don't know. This is not looking good right now. This is a bad start for Miami. Uh, I expected that. We, we, it was funny. You know, we were talking about them last week previewing this game, and we said – you know, if they beat Michigan State, they're right where we thought they would be. So why are we, like, disheartening so, them so much? Alabama's a monster. Uh, and, that, yeah, okay, fine. Miami takes a step back. That's fine. It's Alabama. They destroy everybody. App State, that's kind of what we thought, too. App is going to come in, and they're going to make it a great game. Why are we discounting Miami right now? They are what they thought we would. They are what – sorry. They are what they thought they would be. And now it looks really bad. So I don't know. I, I think Manny will finish the season just because I think there's a lot of opportunity left on the slate, but this isn't looking good. And my take for Dear King, he did have 388 passing yards, but offensive player of the year, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I do think, again, I will give Miami this. Their two losses, though not great, <laughs> they've looked bad in those games, have been against good football teams. I really do like Michigan State. I love what Mel Tucker's doing. He's doing a very Nick Saban type. Again, I'm not saying he's Nick Saban, but he's doing. I don't know if you deep dive Michigan State football. When he came on board, he, he demanded to Michigan State that he gets the money and the resources have all these special analysts to be able to get all these outside to run a program the way Nick Saban does. He's from the Nick Saban coaching tree. So, you know, he knows what he's doing and Michigan state is a program. Like my, I think my favorite thing I've taken away from my college ball trips I've done so far this year, Nick, was I saw Michigan state play at Northwestern. But I think of Michigan state, I don't think football at all. I think basketball. I don't, I don't even like, when I think football in the state of Michigan, Michigan's the first school I think of. But if you think about just recent success, I mean, who is the only other Big Ten team, not Ohio State, to make playoffs? Michigan State. Who is the only team that has who, – who's, who's won the state the last 10 years? Michigan State. Who's been probably the biggest thorn in the side of Ohio State in the last 10 years? Ohio, Michigan State. I mean, this is a program that has a pretty solid fan base. They have resources, and – Again, it's a very underrated program, so I'll give, I'll give Miami that. But that's about all I can give them because again, I don't. I, hate I was right about Miami, but it it yeah, they're just they're not they're not very good. I'm, like they can't run the ball. I mean, their leading rushers Cam Harris with forty four yards on eleven attempts. Derek King had to throw the ball sixty times, 
and still had less touchdowns than Peyton Thorne, who threw the ball 31 times. And it wasn't like it was like, oh, one less touchdown. No, four touchdowns for Peyton Thorne, one for De'Ara King. Kenneth Walker runs for 172 yards for Michigan State. I mean, just overall, just not a good game for the Canes. They just, they don't. The only nice thing is, Nick, we can at least just get Miami out of this. Like, we're not getting into November again where we're thinking November, like Miami is potential dark horse to win the Coastal and dark horse for the playoff and all this stuff like we had last year. At least we can just move on and kind of just keep Miami outside the top 25. Maybe they'll creep, you know, if they beat North Carolina on the road or, and are four and two going into NC State, maybe they're creeping in the 25th, 24th range again. But that's about as high up as they'll go. So, yeah, that was just not good. But speaking of not good, let's let's go to the other ranked team, Virginia Tech, losing 27 to 21 to West Virginia. And you know. Everyone knows this by now. I'm a Virginia fan. So, you know, it it's not as tough for me when Virginia Tech loses as, you know, other ACC teams. I feel really bad for Virginia Tech fans. I really do. Because what I watched on yesterday was a team that was outcoached. Plain and simple. Outcoached. Virginia Tech was the better team. They were. I mean, they get down in the red zone. I think some. I think it's how it was like they ran eight red zone plays, maybe ten without any points. Granted, the last one they had to get a touchdown. If I could have kicked a field goal there, so they could have gotten three. But they first and goal though, I believe the one yard line or two yard line, and they couldn't score. I get it. West Virginia is a good defense. I do. I mean, it's a very good defense. Braxton Burmeister looks like a very average quarterback. He was, in my opinion, the, the worst of the two quarterbacks, and Jacob Dagey is not a very good quarterback, in my opinion, for West Virginia. They uh, could only run the ball for 40, like the leading rusher, 42 yards, where LD Brown had a much better day on the ground for West Virginia. They just, I mean, they ran a freaking jet sweep in the red zone on third and goal when the linebackers were spying, and they ran it to the side where there were seven defenders lined up for West Virginia on the short side of the field. Why are you running to the short side when it's also then clogged by the defense? I mean, I used to make the joke about the jet sweep. Virginia used to – they didn't love the jet sweep. Virginia loved to run two plays. It was either a power power eye run – not power eye, but just a – straight hand up up the middle or screen pass. That was all Virginia ran a few years ago when Michael Owen was the head coach. But, oh, and Steve Fairchild was the OC. This might be worse for Virginia Tech. Like, they just looked pathetic. Like, in a way, I almost feel like Virginia Tech should remain ranked because at the end of the day, this team is good enough to be a ranked team. They just were outcoached. And I feel bad for those players. And, and again, too, something that, I mean, I, I don't really, I'm not as huge of a fan on the Burmeister hate. They're kind of was going around on social media yesterday from tech fans. But Quincy Patterson was their quarterback of the future and they made the decision to roll with Burmeister. And now they have to live with that knowing that he is limited on what he can do as a quarterback. Cause he's not like the best quarterback in this, in the Commonwealth of Virginia right now belongs to the university of Virginia. And it's night and day. There were some arguments a couple of weeks ago that Burmeister might be better. No, it is night and day. Brennan Armstrong is better than Braxton Burmeister. And that shouldn't be the case. I think for Virginia Tech, I really do feel bad because I think this team should be looking at 3-0 and this week. 
we should be looking at a Virginia Tech team that should be in the top 10 hosting Notre Dame in a couple of weeks, but we're not going to see that now. It's, it's sad. It really is. As a Virginia fan, I'm actually sad about it. I just, I, watching that game, seeing how West Virginia jumped, jumped up to a 14 nothing lead, how Virginia Tech battled back. Like, Virginia Tech just looked overall like the better team, but it's in situations, man. It was just bad. It was, it was just bad. Like, I, I know nothing else I want to say on that, but what are your thoughts on this 27 uh, 21 win for the Mountaineers? I think you covered it all, honestly. I didn't get a chance to watch this game, and I really wanted to. Um, but I am disappointed in Virginia Tech. And I'm sorry that I said, you know, when we're previewing this game, don't overthink this. Virginia Tech is a great team. I mean, we saw them hold North Carolina and uh, in a hangover kind of type of game against Middle Tennessee, they destroyed them. So they looked really good, really high off of these two wins. And you would think, hey, beat West Virginia. The slate up to Notre Dame looks really good in your favor. This is going to be a very fun next few weeks for Virginia Tech if they can pull this off. They came back a little bit. I did check the score because at one point it was like 24 to 7 or somewhere around there. I, I just remember them losing by a lot at one point. So I was just a little surprised at the final when I saw it. But, God, that sucks, man. I was really rooting for them. I really wanted to see Virginia Tech rise up and uh, represent the Coastal. Um, there are probably, you know, I have to admit, Virginia Tech – besides Virginia, is probably one of my favorite teams in, in the Coastal. Um, but I, I don't know. That just sucks. That I'm, a, I'm just sad about that, you know. I think you put it best. I wish I watched the game, um, but I didn't get a chance to. But dang, we were really hoping that they would be the number two in the ACC. And you know what? They could still very much well be. And West Virginia, they're nothing to be excited about. I, they're going to finish middle of the road in the Big 12 again. So uh, that kind of stinks. Yeah, and the the sad part is, and again, I don't know how much. Virginia Tech's got Richmond next week. So my opinion, that shouldn't be an issue. But I will say this, and again, this is just coming from a buddy. So my, my best friend, his brother is actually on Richmond's team. He's one of the tight ends. And uh, again, this is obviously bias coming from him, but he genuinely thinks Richmond is going to be Virginia Tech's weekend. Like, not even like just kind of kidding around because his brother's on the team. Like, Richmond has a history. Again, it was more to UVA, but Richmond has a history of beating ACC teams. Richmond has the history of being really ticked off. They just lost to Villanova, which, again, in my opinion, gives me more reason to feel like Virginia Tech should win this one. But I mean, this. For Virginia Tech, the whole season, even though, again, losing to West Virginia stinks because it's a rival, especially. And I don't think anyone was thinking Virginia Tech to the playoffs. The whole season is still in front of you. You're still in first place in the ACC Coastal. You still have probably the best win in the Coastal. Like, the team that you probably would need to beat the most in the ACC Coastal, you have that win in your in possession with North Carolina. You're in a great spot if you're Virginia Tech. But will this history, this doom and gloom that seems to surround this Hokies program and a little bit of that extra toasty seat now that Justin Fuente just got, you know, he just got microwaved a little bit. Now he's a little bit lukewarm. Like, 
is that going to show up? Because if Virginia Tech just does what they're supposed to do, this team's in a good spot. And they got Richmond, they get a bye week for Notre Dame. And I like them to honestly beat Notre Dame at home, even after what I saw this weekend. But will the Virginia Tech team that we know is capable show up, or will it be the opposite of that? Who do they have after Richmond? It's a buy in the Notre Dame. Oh, buy in the Notre Dame. I think, I think I'm still going to ride with them. I think they are going to look good against Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is very overrated. I mean, Notre Dame has struggled every single game that they played. Now, I know it's only been three weeks, but still, you struggled with uh, the worst team in the ACC. You struggled with Toledo. You needed a miracle to win that game. And it took you a while to get out of the gates of Purdue. So, I think Virginia Tech will be ready for Notre Dame. I'm not writing them off. I know this was a great opportunity. This seat gets a tad bit warmer for Fuente, but I think he can make it all go away if they beat Notre Dame and they finish off what we think they could. Uh, I mean, think about it. If they go into the Notre Dame game 4-1, and one, that's kind of where we kind of hope they would be if you think about it. So – yeah, no, I mean, I think, again, Virginia Tech's next four games are at home. Richmond, by Notre Dame, Pitt, Syracuse. Like, you should win all those games. Yeah. You should be going to Georgia Tech, who I also think you're better than, at what, will that be, six and one? Yeah, six and one. You should be headed to Boston College on, on the first Friday in November for the Red Bandana game, seven and one. You should. But that's the problem with Virginia Tech. They love to, like, there's, again, there's a mystique around that program to where they love to lose games they're not supposed to. And they were the underdog in this game against West Virginia, which shocked us. But, I mean, Vegas knew something. Yeah. So my question is now with Virginia Tech, do you just keep going forward, the whole grit mentality they have? Are you going to keep grinding? Because, you know, I look at Virginia Tech's schedule and still maybe see two more losses. I think the West Virginia game was more of a, a loss possibility than at Georgia Tech, at home versus Pitt, at home versus Syracuse, at home versus Duke. Like at Miami, at Virginia, at Boston College, and Notre Dame are the four that I'm like, A about. And I still think they should at least go two and two in those games. I think I'm right there with you. But will they do that is the biggest question. Because, again, my preseason prediction for Virginia Tech was they were going to start the season 4-0 and then lose to Notre Dame, and then all the breaks would fall off. Because even though losing to Notre Dame is a quality win, the whole loss thing, the whole – there had to be some – like the social media buzz, the negativity around the program, like it was going to cause this just domino effect. Well, it might be starting a little bit earlier, you know. Hopefully I'm wrong. Like I hope – another thing I want more than is Virginia Tech to come out and roll Richmond – no offense to my buddy's brother, and then have a bye week and come out and just roll Notre Dame. That's all I want. I really do. And again, this is coming from a Virginia fan who it's kind of funny when Virginia Tech stinks because at least it makes Virginia like it makes me feel a little bit better when Virginia loses on the weekend. But I was actually disappointed yesterday and I kind of felt weird about that. But yeah, no, Virginia Tech should. I, I hope that this is just a one off. That's that's what it should be. But with this program, I don't know. I just don't know. 
But speaking of programs that, uh, I guess in a way, I should have saw this coming. Like, I really, I mean, I mentioned that I was scared about Western Michigan, but I should have just picked them out, right? Because it is Pitt, and Pitt always loses a game they shouldn't. And this year, it's Western Michigan losing forty-four to forty-one. I mentioned the idea of Caleb Ellaby, the quarterback for Western Michigan. Well, 336 yards and three touchdowns on 20, 34 pass attempts. That's about as uh, dynamic and scary as you could probably say. But I, I have one thing to say about Pitt because you know what? We can go on. I can go on a rant about them losing to Western Michigan. I still think that's a good MAC team. I think it's probably the best team in the MAC. But all I'm going to say is if Pitt does not figure out how to run the damn ball, Holy crap, they are they might be a six and sixteen again. Kenny Pickett cannot be your leading rusher against a Mac team. They just can't be. Like you can't be throwing the ball, and that's all you have. Like, let me look at the box score. I just want to make sure I'm not crazy here. Team stats. Yeah, Pitt. Pitt had 75 yards of rushing against Western Michigan. And 49 of that came from Kenny Pickett having to leave the pocket. Like Kenny Pickett is like Kenny Pickett is not Brandon Armstrong. He's not Sam Howell. He's not Braxton Burmeister. He's not uh, Jordan Yates, right? Jordan Ray, Yates. I always want to make sure I'm not messing up his first name from Georgia Tech. Jordan Yates, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Yates, like he's not a mobile quarterback. I mean, he's not slow. He's not just a true pocket passer. But come on. This is a pit team that's had guys like James Conner in the last five, six years. They just, oh my goodness gracious. Also, another insane stat that I think you'll really appreciate. What do you think the uh, the plus minus red zone attempts was for Pitt? Comparatively to Western Michigan, how many trips to the red zone do you think Pitt had compared to Western Michigan? Uh, I have a bad feeling they had like double what Western Michigan had. <laughs> double was not even close, Nick. Western Michigan had seven trips to the red zone. They were five of seven. Five of five went in first and goal situations. Granted, Pitt was 100% in the red zone with one trip. <laughs> one trip to the red zone. So you're relying on big plays to beat Western Michigan. If Western Michigan would have won this game because of big plays and, you know, that's it, you can almost write this off as just, you know what, it's it's Pitt. It is what it is. They'll move forward. It's a Narduzzi, common Narduzzi loss. They were the softer team in this game. And this isn't P.J. Flex, Western Michigan. Again, I love Western Michigan. I really do. I also love their new logo change. It's just a very simple. Their colors are more like Wyoming's now. I yeah. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, I was worried about Pitt. And I'm kind of upset I didn't pick Western Michigan, but I figured, you know, Pitt was pretty – I mean, heck, I had Pitt ranked in my top 20. I look like a complete dumbass now. But Pitt, they were one of eight on third down, one of three on fourth down. I mean, they won the yards per pass, at least. They were outgained by about 40 yards. I mean, time of possession. This is the part that when I think of Pitt, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but when you think of Pitt, do you think the same way I do, 
the type of team that not ground and pound. That's not the best way to describe them. But they're not the up-tempo, like, you don't expect Pitt to be, like, good 10, 15 minutes behind in time of possession. Western Michigan had the ball for 38, 38 minutes. Pitt had it for 19. Mm. That's double. They doubled them in time. Again, Pitt's different than they have been in years past. They are playing a little bit faster. They more they are a little more offensive-oriented than they have been. That's that, isn't that kind of a cause of concern, if you ask me? Like Pitt is the program I think of when we think of 24-20, 17-10, not getting into shootouts with a MAC team and being again just like Western Michigan just had their way. Just had their way. I mean, I'm gonna look at the look at the the, the drives here, all, all the drives. Western Michigan's first drive, missed field goal, pit punt, western punt. Touchdown pit, touchdown Western Michigan, fumble pit, touchdown Western Michigan. Like we go the first game, one, two, three, four, five, four of the first five drives for, for Western Michigan ended in the red zone, three of which ended for points, all of which were, well, take that back. There was one that was only a minute and a half, but that was off the turnover. Like we had pit drives, pits touchdown, their first touchdown in the game, Nick, was a 67-yard one-play drive for a touchdown. So, again, it wasn't like Pitt was sustaining a, a bunch of success here. Like, three-play drive for a touchdown. Four-play drive for a touchdown. Like, there's not a ton of long drive. Two-play drive for a touchdown. Like, <sighs> Pitt, 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 Pitt. Just, I mean... At this point, should I be surprised? No. Just please come out and roll in New Hampshire next week just to make me kind of forget this. But yeah, this was I guess I couldn't I guess I can't say I didn't see it coming, but it's a little frustrating for sure. Yeah, I think what's more frustrating about the pit game is not only did the defense suck, but you know, if their rushing attack was better they probably would have won this game um because western michigan's leading rusher only had 84 yards so if you run the ball like a true power five team against a mac team then you should win this game but i think that's the big thing where you circle right there yeah obviously circled the defense but the fact that you couldn't establish the run and you relied on big plays is the reason why you lost. And not to mention, again, your Western Michigan's, the leading rusher of the entire game, had 84 yards. So I think that's where you circle it right there. This was definitely a trap game after the Tennessee win. Uh, they were looking like the second-best team in the ACC. Uh, I know they weren't ranked or anything because they didn't play anybody with any quality at the moment, but you know, if Pitt wins this game and handles Western Michigan, a very good Mac team, we could see them in the top 25 going into this week. And they're not because of a not good loss. Um, so that's all I got on Pitt. I think the running game is the big question right here. Yeah. I mean, the over under of this game was set at 58 and a half, and both teams almost did it by themselves. 
So yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> something else. Now to the positives of the noon slate. No, I don't know how positive we can really look at it. Boston College, 28, Temple, 3. I will say this, Nick. I am, I'm a lot more confident in Boston College than I was after the Phil Dracovic play, you know, going down news. Because Grissel looks like the type of guy that he's not going to – like, the problem is I think I think we've seen that Boston College might have a, a ceiling here. I don't I, – I, the Boston College-Mizzou game will tell us a lot, but I think Boston College is a bold team with Phil Grissel which is a good thing because I was a little concerned that we might not have that. But I don't see him to be the type of guy that's going to win you games. Like, I don't want to say he's like Chase Bryce in terms of like what he was at Clemson's obviously Chase Bryce. I have to go as long as, you know, Purcell is going to have to go here, but kind of the type of guy where you can put him in a situation and he's, he's a good game manager. If you're the better team, you're still going to win the game. He's not going to lose you a game. And then again, it's Temple. They're not very good, but, Grissel did what he needed to do. Temple never had a shot. I mean, to give you an idea, Nick, just because I think this is hilarious to me, you know what Philip Grissel's numbers were for the day on Saturday? Against- uh, let's look at them real quick. All right. Ooh, that is ugly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Five of 13, 34 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a prediction just yet, but my gut feeling is telling me Missouri's gonna win this week. But again, Boston College is currently three and zero. Just need three more wins. And I think Philip Grissel can can beat Georgia Tech. I think Philip Grissel can beat Florida State at home, and I think they can catch Syracuse, Wake, or Louisville. I mean, they can even catch Missouri. To be honest. I liked the game plan here. Also, watching the game kind of gave you an idea of what to expect. Boston College came out and got up 14-0 in the, in the first quarter. They scored on the first drive, and they scored right near the end of the quarter. And they scored one more touchdown late in the third. So it's 21-0. Boston College just took the foot off the gas immediately. Knew that they were going to be able to slow down Temple because Temple's not very good offensively. And knew that they could run the ball. And maybe not score, but to put together four five-minute drives. I'm about to look at it right now and just get an idea of the time of possession. Yeah, so uh, first drive, a minute and a half, because it was a, a nice return, set up a touchdown there. So that was 7 nothing. Temple went three and out. Then Grissel throws an interception. Then Temple goes three and out and gets negative two yards on offense. So in, in two drives for Temple, they gained four yards on six plays. Then Boston College is a 15-play, 71-yard, and nine-minute touchdown drive. Again, slow but surely. Temple does on their next drive, three and out. Boston College goes three and out. Temple turns it over on downs. Then a three or almost four-minute drive for Boston College, seven plays and a punt. Three and out by Temple. Four-play touchdown drive that goes 57 yards, two and a half minutes. Right before the half. And that was, or I think the only reason why they, that was so up tempo because it was right before the half. Four play punt, three and out for Boston College. Turnover on downs for Temple. That was a six minute time of possession. And this is what I think Boston College said. Yeah, it, it's time to just let's just run the ball. If, if we have to, we'll let them. They're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna be able to score on us big. We're gonna limit the big plays because 
three and out by Boston College, but then Temple has another five and a half minute drive that leads to just a field goal. And then Boston College seals it in the fourth quarter with a four and a half minute drive. Score touchdown to 28 Like, very boring game. Very boring game. I mean, Boston College doesn't look very good. I mean, they're high up in the power rankings because, you know, at the end of the day, you haven't lost. And I actually had them above Wake only because, and then this is such a lame thing, but they have gone on the road <laughs> to win two of these games. I mean, UMass and Temple, not the most hostile environment ever, but they went on the road where Wake's playing at home. I played at home for every single one of their games. So that's the only reason why I'll say that. But, yeah, this was a very, very vanilla game. Um don't like their chances against Mizzou. I like that it's at home. If this was at Mizzou, I'd be chalking up Mizzou for sure. I'm going to do some more research, but I don't see how I can pick Mizzou, um, or excuse me, Boston College to win. But yeah, very, uh, very vanilla game plan for Boston College. But, hey, when you, when you know you're the better team and you know you can do it, why not? I can't believe you put Boston College over Wake. <laughs> That's funny. Again, I just – I, again, I, I do think that Wake Forest is doing – like, it, it has looked better. But I don't know if you know this, Nick. You know what the combined record of Wake Forest opponents are? They don't have a win. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that. Like, again, like, yes, UMass sucks. They don't have a win. But Temple has a win. Granted, it was Akron, who also sucks. But that's still a win. I mean, I would say that Akron is just as good as Jacksonville State is. <laughs> yeah on the road to do this again Akron's not a hostile environment but they went on the road and they did it so yeah um that's fair that's that's fair. so sad that our our third and fourth best teams in the conference have beaten teams with a combined winning percentage or win, wins wins I want to wins at one <laughs> yeah. oh but, man anyways Let's, uh, unless you want to add anything else, let's move on to the other noon game that was not just like just a very, again, good job, pat on the back. Yeah, I, I really don't have anything. I think, uh, it's going to be tough to beat Missouri, especially with, uh, your starter with, uh, Phil out. So we'll see. I mean, all of Boston College games have been very boring this year, and they played literally the bottom feeders of. I mean, they played a tube of toothpaste. They played the worst team, I think, in the American. And they played possibly one of the worst FBS programs in the nation. All looking dominant, but very vanilla at the same time. So I think the Missouri game is going to tell us a lot. And I, I think that does suck that we don't get to see Boston College at its best with their starting quarterback out. I think uh, – we could really see what Boston college is made out of or made of um, if Phil was still starting. So that's the only thing I got. Uh, it's going to be a challenge next week. We'll say if Boston college beats Missouri this week with their backup quarterback. I'm going to love trolling the sec, even though I know we're not better. I'm going to pretend like we are just because of that game. So I will enjoy that. You know, uh, father Grissel, if you could do me a favor, that'd be great. But Moving on to one of our, one of the, I mean, not a few teams in the ACC, but one of the teams that's actually above 500 in the ACC, Syracuse, 62-24 win over Albany. 
I mean, they just they, – they just ran the ball well. I mean, that was my takeaway. Again, this is probably one of the more least-watched games I had. But, I mean, jumped out to a 14-0 lead. Like, the only only time – at any point it was even close was it was 14-10 early. But that was because DeVito threw an interception and it was returned for a touchdown. Something of note, too, and I don't know, I don't believe it was because of injuries. I did not hear that this was the case, but I could be wrong. I'm not going to look and see if I can find it in the recap. But I, if I remember correctly, they made the decision to switch quarterbacks from DeVito to Schrader. They did, yeah. And Schrader, I just want to make sure it wasn't an injury, which it was not. Eric Schrader looked better. Again, I hate that Syracuse is still in this figuring this out thing because we've seen Schrader look good, look bad. We've seen DeVito look good. We've seen him look bad. But, I mean, they did what they needed to do. Albany's not a great FCS team, but, you know, I'm a little concerned the 24 points to Albany. That is definitely something of concern. But, I mean, this game was 45 to 10 going into the half. It was 55 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. It was 62 to 10 <laughs> at the beginning, like pretty early into the fourth quarter. Again, the only touchdown being a pick six by Tommy DeVito. And then two late drives when Syracuse had the backup set. So, and both drives were because of turnovers because it was a 10 play, or sorry, four play 10 yard drive to make it 24, 62, 24, and a 45 yard drive to give them 17. So they had two touchdowns, combined 55 yards. So really, again, I, mean, I want to check the box. But I want to make sure this thing is correct here. Four yards. Yeah. Syracuse outgained Albany 633 to 154. So I don't like that the scoreboard looks a little bit closer than, than what this number shows you. But, I mean, Syracuse just had their way. They got Liberty on Friday. And I'm, I'm very high on Liberty. I'm getting roasted on Twitter right now for having Liberty in my top 16. But I've been high on them from the beginning. I think they're the best independent team. And this is Liberty's chance. This game is on ACC Network, so it does save the national realm a little bit because not everyone gets the ACC Network. But Liberty's looking for a breakout game. They didn't look very good against Troy, and they blew out Old Dominion this past weekend. They're looking for a chance to get a statement win because really the only, the only P5 teams on the schedule for Liberty – and I understand the argument from the people that are roasting me. It's Syracuse on the road and at Ole Miss in November. So Liberty could be sitting in going into Oxford at 9-0 and because minus their game at UAB, they're going to be favored against UL Monroe, North Texas, UMass, Middle Tennessee State. So this is a game to where Liberty's definitely going to bring their best. Don't like Syracuse in this one, but Syracuse maybe you've got revenge on your mind from last year. But again, Syracuse, good job, pat on the back, way to do what you were supposed to do. And honestly, the score was not telling of how dominant it was for Syracuse. Yeah, uh, Syracuse is taking a little bit of an extra, just a tad bit step for me. I know this is a take care of business, put it away type of game for Syracuse. So. They did what they needed to do. I think that takes a little bit of a step forward, in my opinion, because of how down I have been on Syracuse going into this season and how bad they looked last season. But uh, 
I think they have their sights on Liberty next week. Uh, I know we're not previewing this game, but they got embarrassed by Liberty last, last year. Uh, Liberty almost beat my pack last year. They lost on a blocked field goal. So uh, Liberty, not a team to deal or not a team to fool around with. Obviously Syracuse knows that this was a take care of business, move on in the next week um, to, uh, I mean, it's a Friday night game, so they're going to get the spotlight for sure in the conference. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, I think they – it is weird, though. I agree with you that we're game three or week three, and Syracuse still hasn't figured out the quarterback situation yet. I feel like, like when you're playing an FCS team like Albany, uh, you should have had that figured out, and you should have had your starter in for at least three quarters, just so you know you're comfortable with who that is. And the reason why I say three quarters is because you're killing them um, in the game. So we'll see what happens. That's what I'm going to be looking out for next week going into the Liberty game is who is Syracuse going to be playing and getting the reps for um, Friday night. But that's all I got. Good win for Syracuse. Yeah. Let's – Move on to the 3.30 slash 4 o'clock-ish slate. Who is more disappointing, Nick? Clemson or Florida State? That is a very, very good question, Micah. Clemson won, and to be honest, I'm kind of mad at Wake Forest that they didn't win by more. Because Florida State looked like Duke. No, well, I guess that, that's funny. I'm more like dookie, like the, the poop term, but I guess you could throw duke in too if you want. Yeah. But I mean, oh, like, I don't want to overreact because you know what? We have to, we have, like, it does drive me nuts the national media, you know, really coming after Clemson because, you know, offense does not look good. But the defense also given up a touchdown all season. So there's got to be something to that, right? Like you've played Georgia Tech, Georgia, and who was the other one? Was SC State, maybe? Yeah. State. Like, I get it. Georgia Tech, South Carolina State aren't great teams, but you haven't given up a touchdown. And we've seen what Georgia's offense has done the last couple of weeks. So it's not like Georgia's offense is like, you know, putt putty to a point. Right. I mean, I'm going to say that Florida State looked more disappointing, personally, and that's why I'm going to lead us into Florida State and Wake real quick. But, I mean, good win to Wake Forest. No insult to Wake Forest. I think this Virginia game coming up for them is going to be huge. But I really was more – like, to be honest, like, for me to be on this full white Wake Forest hype train thing that a lot of their fans are on, I mean, I am a fan to a point, but, like, the whole – you know, I think they should have won by a lot more. I really do. I mean, let's let's see. Team, 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 team. Yeah, six turnovers by Florida State. Like, I'm sorry, Wake Forest, but that means at bare minimum, you aren't converting off of every single turnover. And that's the thing you have to. But if you want to be able to say you're a top 25 team, you kind of need to. I mean, Wake Forest didn't play a super clean game. It was a plus four turnover margin for Wake. I've always played the game. 
that you should win by as many scores as you do turnovers. So if it's a plus four turnover margin, you should win by 28. They didn't do that. Like, again, not trying to say Wake Forest was bad, but, like, if Florida State doesn't turn the ball over a ton, this is a close game. Florida State might win the game. Like, you know, Florida State was one of six on third down, 0 of one on fourth down. Was at 19 minutes less of time of possession. One and three in the red zone. Good for Wake, four or five in the red zone. Good job there. Like, Florida State, I mean, I don't think they're Arizona or Kansas level, but uh, they might only have one win on their schedule if they continue to play the way they're playing. And that's UMass. Not looking good for Florida State. Not looking good at all. Yeah, so I was boots on the ground for this game. Um, I'll just say this crowd experience was – I had seats at the Florida State section, which is the first time I ever saw it besides being in the student section because the student section is always on the wayside too. Um, but that was – those Florida State fans, man, they were just – They've had it. They have had it. Now, I don't know who started the game because, again, I showed up uh, in the beginning of the second quarter. It was Jordan Travis started. Travis did start. Okay. So, I think literally the first play, Mackenzie Milton went in. He threw an interception. Uh, I, think, I think you make a good point when you say that you should win the game by how many turnovers you have. So in the, in this case, Wake should have won by 28 points. I'm going to say this just for Wake's defense. The talent will show up no matter how badly coached you are. Florida State, obviously a more talented team, but I think they're very poorly coached. So, and that Florida State made some good plays. I will say that. I, I think after coming out of – I think it was coming out of a timeout or no, after wake punted or something like that, Florida state scored on the very first play of the drive. So I'll give them that too. There was a little bit glimpses of life, but wake did a great job of shutting any life they had coming back down. You could have argued that Florida state could have made this more of a competitive game, but wakes defense found all the mistakes and exposed Florida state for them. Um, I had some takes that I tweeted out from the ACC account, our fifth quarter ACC account. Uh, let me pull them up real quick. Let's see. Beautiful day, by the way, in Winston-Salem for that game. It was very nice. Um, okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, and I, I'm sticking with all these takes, uh, Norvell might not finish the season. Uh, I think Florida state needs to start all the way over again. Wake has the three star players, five star, star culture that we've talked about. And I also, uh, think that Dave Clawson is one of the better coaches in the ACC and I love the little wake fans shouting out play Morgan Wallen at the band. I thought that was very funny. 
Um, other than that, look, Sam Hartman played well. A.T. Perry had a monster of a game. He was everywhere. Uh, the reason why I put Wake at number two in my Power Warrior Kings is because, sure, I might be a little bit biased. And, yes, I know all the teams that they play have not had a win. Okay. But I would still argue that this argue that their schedule is a little bit tougher than what Boston College has played. And yeah, I almost debated. I wanted to put Carolina higher, but I can't just, you know, Wake's got a conference win and UNC played a, a good Virginia team, but I don't know. Wake has just looked more impressive to me. And I know the strength of schedule is lopsided, but when you're a program like wake beating a program story program, like Florida state, that's just impressive all around. That's like, I don't know, Vanderbilt catching Georgia on an off year. And you're going to put Vanderbilt higher than you would think, you know? So that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, wake looks really good. Uh, they got a challenge though next week. And as for Florida state, like I said, Dude, you got to start all over. I, I agree with you that I don't think they're Kansas bad. I don't think they're Arizona bad. But just, like, what happened? I had Mike Norvell as my coach of the year. That might be a wor worse take than Derek King being my offensive player of the year. Just how do you do this in your third year? Cool. You almost beat Notre Dame. Things are looking good. You go into year three, you can't lose to Jacksonville State. This is the time to take care of those little teams now. You don't challenge them. They don't come challenging you. You're supposed to beat Wake Forest. Now it's all reversed. Wake Forest doesn't mess with the little teams anymore. They destroy the little teams, and they beat the teams they're supposed to. Wake was supposed to win this game like this, and they did. Their better coach, Florida State, I think needs to start over. This is just an embarrassment. Yeah, I'm not on the fire Mike Norvell train, though he was out coached this week. I will say that. And the only reason why is I do think Mike Norvell is a better coach than what's happening currently. They are weeding out. I mean, they had their offensive lineman quit because he didn't want to run his punishment condition. Like, that's the bad culture there that's been there for a while, and they got to weed it out. And I'm sorry, but I mean, Florida State eventually has got to run out of money, right? Like, <laughs> the yeah. these guys are ridiculous. So, I, I, if I'm Florida State, I just – I give it two years, two more years. I know it's crazy that this could be the stupidest take of all time, but let yourself – let that buyout get lower and give yourself a chance to just see. Like, I am so anti-firing coaches for, for so many reasons. Like, I mean, I won't get into that, but it's just it's, – it's annoying. Like, I get it, like, Pitt – it, it stinks you lose to Western Michigan, but you can't tell me a pit program is not content with Pat Narduzzi's kind of eight and four type seasons every year. And then in the occasional top 25 season, like that's, I mean, I'm not, Florida state should be better than that. But, uh, but again, that was a mess of a program. And, you know, again, I'm not a huge Willie Taggart fan. I think the, the culture there was awful with Willie Taggart, but Willie Taggart's at FAU winning games again. Willie Taggart's, a, like, in terms of X's and O's coach, not that bad. But because they had such high – rightfully so. I mean, obviously they're trying to, you know, get back to the Jimbo days. But, I mean, you hear about what happened with, with Jimbo. 
Florida State did not want to give Jimbo what he wanted. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that, like, I mean, Jimbo's the highest paid coach in college football. I don't think he should be the highest paid coach in college football. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it would have been cheaper for, like, I mean, obviously you can look back and say shoulda, coulda, woulda. It would have been better off and cheaper probably for Florida State just to give Jimbo Fisher what he wanted to keep him there. And, I mean, that's just it. I mean, it stinks, but, yeah, I think they need to have some time. And, you know, I am excited for the 3.30 game on Saturday against Louisville. I am very excited because we've got two programs that are kind of trending in the wrong, like in separate directions that I think are very similar. And I think that, honestly, the better team is the one trending in the wrong direction with Florida State. And it's at home for Florida State, so I'm intrigued to see what that crowd's going to be like because I've been to Tallahassee when it's been live, and I've been to Tallahassee when they played Wake Forest, and there maybe was 35,000 people there. <laughs> so I'm intrigued to see what that's going to be like. I'm excited for that game because, I mean, it's 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 a – if you're not an AC fan, I don't know why you'd want to dial in unless you just want to – you're hoping for the demise of Florida State. But I am, I'm excited for that. I mean, yeah, the – I wouldn't say the sky is falling at Florida State, but it, it, again, what sucks the most is it's very similar to that year that Florida State was preseason either number one or number two against, and they played Alabama in that season opener, and they they lost. And again, obviously that team was a lot better than this team, but everyone kind of chalked up that loss as, well, hey, you know what? They looked good. Like, they're still a contender for the playoff. This year, you know, after the Notre Dame game, they're still a contender for a bowl game. This team's trending in the right direction. And we've seen nothing but negative since to make us go, well, A, that loss doesn't look as good because the whole Notre Dame hasn't looked great. But two, it's like, it just, again, they're, that year, I think it was the year the Florida State struggled with Jacksonville State. They won, but they struggled with This year they lose to them in a way they shouldn't have lost. And that's, that's probably been the worst part. They've been outcoached. The coaching staff, I mean, I don't know if the coaching staff lost the game against Wake Forest because I think Wake Forest is just the better team, like, quality-wise on Saturday. But they were outcoached in both games. And the coaches lost the game in a sense. I mean, obviously, yeah, you got to make the tackle against Jacksonville State to save the game. But, the, again, we, we can get on that rant about what they, how they played that Hail Mary. But, I mean, let's talk about a solid coaching performance. You know, I, I, I thought it was funny. Uh, I, I like the kid from fifth quarter Georgia Tech. But, holy crap, like that kid must have had some solid Kool-Aid yesterday. Woof. I mean, what was like, that that I you mean, said? I mean, don't Come get me wrong. On. I would love some of that Kool-Aid. For those who don't know what we're talking about, fifth quarter Georgia Tech, and great kid. I don't know if he's a kid, but great person. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to – two people running the account at one point. One was Patience, who was like Georgia Tech's number one fan. I don't know if it was her or not. I, I kind of want to ask her, but I, I don't know who actually tweeted it out on, on fifth quarter Georgia Tech's page. But – they said that Georgia that they think Georgia Tech is a top 25 team and that they think Georgia Tech should receive some votes to be ranked. Nick, you're fighting back a laugh. I'm smiling from ear to ear right now. The funny I'm thing. Sorry, but what the fuck? <laughs> the funny thing is, is that he said minus the Northern Illinois loss. But the problem is, is that you lost to Northern Illinois. That's the problem. Is that you lost? And I'm sorry. The worst. But in, team. in what world is a top 25 team that let's say even if we ignore the Northern Illinois, let's say they're one and one. How do we rank a team in the top 25 for not looking great against Clemson? No. And and also 
beating a Kennesaw State team that's not very good. <laughs> I mean, again, like I hated to, I hate to bring that pay that guy, but Kennesaw State going into that game had barely beat Reinhardt, an NAIA program. Again, top 15 NAIA program. It's NAIA. <laughs> I go about I talk about a P5 team having to bring in the NAI team to defend something here. Northern Illinois lost again. Northern Illinois looks better than ever. Like the preseason pick for them in the MAC was a bad pick. I, I I think Northern Illinois is a top five team in the MAC. But here's the big but: the MAC sucks this year. First off, and second off, like if Northern Illinois would have went out and rolled Wyoming at home the following week, you could almost almost justify a little bit of the of the uh, hot take. To a point, but they, they're Northern Illinois one and one, and their loss is not Georgia Tech. <laughs> so, anyways, that we'll, we'll save that rant. I loved what Georgia Tech did here. I mean, Georgia Tech had a chance to win the game. Yeah, like I liked what they did. I think Jordan Yates is the is a, is a very solid quarterback. They could not run the ball. Clemson was bending a little bit, but would not break. So shout out to Clemson. What I took away from that game, and again, I think Georgia Tech looked better than what I expected. And they, like this Georgia Tech team would have beaten Northern Illinois. The last two weeks to what we've seen from Georgia Tech would have beaten Northern Illinois. So I'm not saying right off the Northern Illinois game, you can't do that, especially when it comes to ranking them. But you can justify Georgia Tech being better than Duke, being better than Syracuse being better than Florida State. I can justify those, like, hearing that out. I can even justify hearing out that Georgia Tech might be better than, like, I think Georgia Tech hosts Virginia this year. I could see people saying that maybe Georgia Tech could beat Virginia. I could see it. I'm not saying I'm predicting that, but I could, I could, I would hear out that reason. But my takeaway is Clemson's on a playoff team. Like, I've accepted the fact, Nick, and it sucks, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to it to a sense to be able to watch the playoffs this year and not have a rooting interest. Like, I've – at this point, and again, this might be a, a way overreaction, I'm writing Clemson off for the playoffs. I mean, are they eliminated? Of course not. But in my opinion, I don't want to see this Clemson team in the playoffs because I'm going to see a blowout. If Clemson goes against Alabama, let's say they're the four seed and Alabama's the one Alabama – should be favored by four touchdowns. To be completely frank, I think the Florida team that played Alabama's weekend is better than, than Clemson. I didn't rank Florida better than Clemson because, again, I take resume and I have some bias, of course. But I could justifiably see Florida ranked higher than Clemson. I could justify Clemson being outside the top ten. Maybe like if it weren't for the fact that college football is just so drunk this year, like. Yeah, it does drive me nuts. People go, well, Clemson shouldn't be ranked in the top 20. Yeah, but Iowa State should, but BYU should. But, like, none of those teams look any better than Clemson does. And, again, you have to give Clemson props for how good the defense – like, Nick, I'm sorry, your hot take about NC State having the best team. And it's not even so much a shot at NC State. Like, it, I'm like, I'm not even trying to say NC State doesn't have a good defense because they've looked, they've looked solid. They really have. Like, they've, they, they, they are not the reason they lost to Mississippi State. Clemson has the best teams in the ACC far and away. I mean, it's it's just – it's right here on the table. But, I mean, good God, this offense sucks. Like, 
can can someone go like can like DJ Uwe Ungolale like get kicked off of Fansville for Dr Pepper? Maybe then he'll start performing better. I don't know if it's some Dr Pepper Fansville curse or something. But Nick, I feel more comfortable now than I did going into the season that NC State's going to be Clemson, and NC State has a loss. Like I'm not making my pick yet. We'll do the previews obviously later in the week. I think your Wolfpack might catch Clemson this week. If if this Clemson offense is what we is, is what we've seen through three weeks, I think NC State beats them. I think NC State's got the better offense, and though Clemson has the better defense, I think that NC State could win this game very similarly to that Notre Dame game a few years ago. Obviously, it was a hurricane, but like a ten to seven, I could see it. I really could. And that's sad because NC State, you've disappointed me enough. <laughs> oh, man. But what are your takes on this? Because, again, shout out to Georgia Tech. You look you look like the team that could justify a bowl game if your schedule was easy. But you're not any better than what your preseason expect, expectations were. This is not you. Again, you played Clemson well. I'm not – I always hate being the guy that's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll give the – you know, the bad team just didn't want to be there. The bad team didn't play, you know, played well. But Clemson's got some red flags. Georgia Tech, you played well. Like, credit to Georgia Tech for hanging in the game. But, again, I, I don't think this means Georgia Tech's a ranked team <laughs> or even top half of the ACC. But, I mean, like, I, I genuinely – like, we joked about it last night, Nick, about putting Wake and Boston College as our number one team in the conference because they were the only undefeated team and Clemson hasn't really – no justification anymore to be the number one team because they haven't done anything that like like them blowing out SC State and you know beating Georgia Tech by six is not any better than Boston College rolling uh, Temple this weekend and Florida. Honestly, Wake probably has the best win comparatively to Clemson because I think Florida State though Georgia Tech may be a better team. Both were at home and Wake was dominant and Clemson wasn't. And to be honest, as much as I want to, like, people might say, well, because I've seen the argument that the, 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 the lightning delay benefited Georgia Tech. Bullshit it did. Georgia Tech was, only have seven, not there. Yeah, they, and then Georgia Tech was driving when that happened. They had momentum. And, like, to be honest, when it comes to when, – when, when I believe in talent games, whoever has the momentum – like, for example, Clemson's the more talented team. When you're able to kill the momentum with lightning – how does that not like wake you the heck up saying, guys, what the hell were we doing in the last 25 minutes of this or 27 or 28, whatever it was, 29 minutes of this football game? Like, I did say I really enjoyed. I don't know if you, I mean, again, you probably didn't watch it, but maybe you did because it was delayed so long. Maybe we got to see it. But my favorite thing was seeing Georgia Tech kick that field goal at the end of the half and then receiving the kickoff. That was super funny because, like, they had deferred to the second half. So they, yeah field goal to end the half and then with not even cut the commercial break <laughs> received the kickoff it was like the cool like it was like one of those like yeah you don't see that very often kind of moments but um yeah i mean go ahead what are your thoughts on on this game both georgia tech and Clemson wise okay so i i got a lot on this game because because of the lightning delay i was able to catch uh the end of it uh first of all Shovel pass, not a good look uh, at the end of the game. It was all clogged up. I think they could have won this game, or Georgia Tech could have 
not necessarily one, but make it, you know, tied at least. Or I don't know what they would have to do. I couldn't really remember the circumstances, but. Oh, man. Okay, so I was really high on Georgia Tech this year. I thought third, second, third year, third, I'm sorry, third year, Jeff Collins being in there. They could pull off some upsets. They could maybe even look good against Clemson. And they did. That's great. Are they a top 25 team? No, please stop. Just, just stop. That's ridiculous. They're not. You are what we thought you were. Um, but it was impressive. Nonetheless, I'm glad that we got to see because these are um, cross-divisional rivals. They play each other every year. I'm glad that this was a good game. I'm going to steal a quote from someone that I listened to on a podcast, a college football, college football podcast, and he uses this to describe Ohio State. And I'm going to use this to describe Clemson right now. Clemson, 12-0 and defense, 6-6 and offense, and he uses 7-5 and offense for Ohio State. It might be even worse than 6-6, six and six, to be honest with you, because they look pathetic. Pathetic. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the big question that we had about Clemson going into the season was the defense and the offensive line. The defense is great. They're fantastic. And you know what, Micah? I really almost put Wake at number one. I was so tempted because you're right. The most impressive thing about Clemson this year is a 10-3 to loss to Georgia. And the fact that Georgia didn't have an offensive touchdown, that it was a pick six, makes it even more impressive. Great. But Wake has the better win. They just do. So, But I'm not going to do that. I, I know who clearly is, could or who knows that now could be the better team. Um, Micah, I don't know. Have you? I'm looking at the AP Top 25 right now. Did you see it come out yet? Did I don't remember exactly where Clemson landed, but they were. Not, not Give me a high. guess right now before you look. I think they were. Weren't they like eleven? They're nine. Nine. Okay. So they dropped three. Ohio State dropped one because again, that's another team that we didn't talk about in the beginning. Ohio State competing with Tulsa. When I left the weight game, people were saying, "Oh, Ohio State's only up by one touchdown to Tulsa." College football is drunk this year, and. You could make the argument for Clemson that they shouldn't be in the playoff right now. They don't look like a playoff team, but there are a lot of teams that don't look like playoff teams. Oklahoma doesn't look like a playoff team. Ohio State doesn't look like a playoff team. Oregon looks good, but who who's – I was talking to this about my brother this morning. Who's the second-best Pac-12 team? Is it still UCLA, or is it now like Stanford? Is it – USC, even though they've just fired Clay Helton, they looked really good. I don't know. And you yeah, can say I think it's I think it's head. UCLA. And the only reason why I think it's UCLA is I I love I've I've had a soft spot for Fresno State forever. I don't know why. I've always just loved their mascot and their logo and whatnot on the kid. But I genuinely think this Fresno State team is there is Cincinnati there, of course. They're the best in a they're, the, they're definitely the best, second best, the best team not in the American Athletic Conference group of five teams. Like, if I, I, if Fresno State lined up against Coastal Carolina, I'm taking Fresno State. That's the, yeah, and they, reason, that's the only reason why like, I had in my top 25 for fifth quarter that I submitted. I know you submit one too, Nick. I had UCLA at 25 still. I think that UCLA is still a good team. 
I don't know if you watched a game. I, I watched all of that game, the Fresno State. There wasn't many games on. I had three screens going and then got down to two. I watched the entire Fresno State game. UCLA was the better team for a half, and then they kind of took their foot off the gas, and Fresno State said, all right, bet. <laughs> yeah, and they did They did almost beat Oregon, too, to start off the season. Yeah, and, and, that, and, that, and Fresno State, again, they're not great wins, but they beat Cal Poly by, like, 50. They beat UConn 45-0 to zero in week zero. So we're talking about a 3-1 and one Fresno State team that when they play teams they're better than, like in terms of like, like you look at the game and go, yeah, Fresno State's going to win by a couple scores. They win by a couple scores. They have Fresno State has not effed around this year. And the only game they did was a game against Oregon where they almost won. And it wasn't like they were, again, like my thing I look at it is like Fresno State went to the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA. Fresno State, if it weren't for a last-second touchdown by the number three team, in my opinion, maybe in top five of who we want to talk to, Oregon team who went to the shoe the following week, like I, I could make the I could see the argument that Fresno State's a top fifteen team if someone wanted to make it. I don't think you can make it just yet, but Notre Dame loses to Wisconsin this week, and Michigan drops a weird one, or or Liberty loses a weird one, loses to Syracuse. Fresno State might sneak into my top fifteen. Like they're genuinely, I think they're that good. So that's the only reason why I'd have UCLA at two in the Pac-12. But we'll have a, we'll, uh, I'll let you finish. But well, I think we should wrap up the podcast. I think we should, I think we should debate. Or maybe no, let's just do it now. Clemson or Ohio State? Who's better right now? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ohio State because they. Oh man, this is tough because yeah, I was gonna make the argument because Oregon's so good, but also Georgia's so good. I'm still, you know what? I'm still gonna go Ohio State because we know what Georgia Tech is like, and you know, Minnesota. Yeah, they're not so good, but I mean, they still beat them pretty good. And yeah, they compete with Tulsa, but in the end, they still beat them pretty good. So I'm gonna go with Ohio State, but just by like the slimmest of margins, just because. They both have similar, very, very, very good defenses, but not so good offenses. So I'm going to go Ohio State just by the slimmest of margins. Yeah, I'll take Clemson by the slimmest of margins because I think that both C.J. Stroud and D.J. Uyunglele have looked the same in terms of not good. I think that C.J. Stroud, of course, has showed more upside than D.J. has, but D.J. hasn't been as sloppy either. That, has, that CJ has. And like, I look at the defense for Clemson, like Ohio State, like the thing that drives me nuts with Ohio State right now is how damn good those wide receivers are. And I don't know if you watched the Tulsa game. I think that was, that was a two or three thirty kickoff. So you were at Wake, but Tulsa should have like, that's bad take. Tulsa shouldn't have won the game. Ohio State, it needed the last eight minutes to make this game out of reach. And Tulsa turned the ball over on downs, and that's the only reason why that kind of got into, like, you know, again, where Ohio State was able to run away with it. Again, you can call it a sleeper game, so that's the only reason why I'm not necessarily going to chalk it up. But you got two teams really trending in different – like, Tulsa sucks. Like, Tulsa – this isn't the Tulsa team that last you know, went and, you know, was a potential New Year's – Someone should clip that. <laughs> Like, Tulsa sucks. I'm sorry. Like, Oklahoma State, yeah, they beat Boise. 
And maybe, maybe we can start. Yeah, maybe. But they lost to Oklahoma State. It didn't look, they looked awful against Oklahoma State. They lost to UC Davis. Good FCS team, but they lost to UC Davis. Again, I will say, maybe the Tulsa sucks thing is a bad take only because that UC Davis game, I don't know if you look back on it, but like they had like half their team serving that as suspensions from the, the bowl game fight or brawl with Mississippi State the year before. So that was something that kind of deterred them in the first half. But again, here's the better take. Tulsa's offense sucks. <laughs> and yeah. they put up 20 against Ohio State's defense. Like Ohio, like Ohio State and Clemson would be such a fun matchup because you've got one team that doesn't give up points and another team that can't stop anybody. That's what you've got a matchup of. Like something's going to have to give. Either Clemson's going to have to finally score or – Clemens is going to finally have to give up some points. But yeah, that two teams that we were locking into the playoffs earlier in the year don't even like, like again, like I like if you could have give me who wins the ACU, who wins the Big Ten, I'm still probably taking Clemson and Ohio State there. But especially on the Big Ten side, Penn State and Iowa are above Ohio State in a power ranking for me. But anyways, any 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 thoughts on this game? We're kind of running long here, so we probably should speed up a little bit. Still have a pretty important game to talk about. Anything else you yeah. want to add to this game? Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up for next week against Clemson for my pack. I'm not going to do it. I, I I'll do it for not- you, Nick. We'll do it for you, baby. Go pack. They're a go pack, but, you know – I'm just saying, Nick, probably, you probably have to work Saturday. You should go to the game. I have that feeling you should go to the game. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to Because I have a feeling you're going to regret it on Sunday. If you don't. If you don't. I'm, 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 I'm going to try my very best to get out of work and just go to the game. Will I be able to convince your parents to get out of work if you have a free ticket? <laughs> I might be able to pull that. But. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, we'll talk off, but yeah, maybe. But my only last thoughts of this game, uh, Georgia Tech, very happy that you impressed me um, because I was riding high on you this season. So good job on that. Stupid shovel pass in the end. Uh, I think that is what is stopping you right now from being uh, where I thought you would be is executing those plays it down at the two. Uh, and Clemson, shit. I don't know if it's going to be state next week or whoever it is. They're going to lose this season. And that's how I feel about with every top team in every conference. I think Alabama will lose sometime this season. It could be A&M. It could be Ole Miss. Uh, I think Ohio State, they're going to lose this season. Could be Michigan. Could be Michigan State. Could be Penn State. Oregon. They look great right now, but. USC looked really good, even though they just fired their coach. Stanford is, you know, playing very quiet right now. There's not a dominant force right now, as we thought last week. So Clemson's going to lose sometime this year if they don't get that offense together. Great defense. Best in the nation, maybe. But they're going to lose, and they're going to meet a better offense than them with a pretty good defense, and that's somewhere in this conference. I know it. Could be next week, but again, not getting my hopes up. I mean, right now, I think that based off what we've seen, NC State has a better offense than Clemson, and that's sad. Yeah, it's very, very sad. If I what's up, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, if I know the NC State offense that can play, then, yeah, they could upset Clemson. They just can't pull that dumb stuff that they did against Mississippi State. So I'll you, mean, you, mean, you mean they can't quit? They can't just quit? They it. can't. Yeah, they have to execute and they can't quit because, you know, I know how talented that offense is. Anyways, let's uh, let's talk about a team that uh, made me go on ACC, ACC all dang weekend. Duke beating Northwestern. Nick, I told you, even after that Charlotte loss, Duke was going to at least win two of their next three games. They've already done that. And still have Kansas on the slate. And again, I'm not saying I predicted Duke to beat Northwestern. But don't write off Duke just yet. I mean, I don't think they're a bowl team. But they, the way the ACC has looked, I'm not going to rule them out. I'm really not. I and mean, I think Northwestern is just not good. But, and two, I think, again, Duke jumped Northwestern early and then Northwestern went. Oh, yeah. Like uh, we, uh, I don't know. If, did you did you see the box score, Nick? It was yeah, they, uh, seven at the half. Duke didn't yeah. on the second half. Yeah, I know. I was shocked because I was keeping up with it at the weight game. I was like, "Holy crap, thirty to seven. And then by the end of the game, I was like, "Oh my god, Northwestern!" Like they scored a lot, and Duke didn't. Northwestern too. It was hilarious. They used three different quarterbacks. Hunter Johnson was the starter. He was 6 of 16 for 75 yards and three interceptions. Then they went to Ryan Halinski from South Carolina, 2 of 7 for 34 yards. That's it. Then they went to Andrew Marty, who I didn't even know was on the roster because he wasn't even considered to be in that quarterback battle. He was the best one of all of them. I mean, Northwestern's in trouble. Like, I think Coach Love is a great coach, but Pat, like I, I think Pat Fitzgerald is one of the top three coaches in college football. This is what he does at Northwestern. But oh my goodness, Northwestern, you look bad. Shout out to Duke. I mean, again, I'm not doing a preview here, but I'm I'm going to say they beat Kansas at this point. I mean, this could change throughout the week, but I think they're going to beat Kansas. They're seeing the beatdown Baylor provided to Kansas this past weekend. I think. And I want to say this too, Gunnar Holberg was the best quarterback on the field on Saturday. And that's, again, considering Ryan Helensky coming from South Carolina, you got Hunter Johnson, who was Clemson's, you know, backup for a while there. It's not bad. That's not a bad spot to be, like, for Duke. Like, I don't think they're going to beat North Carolina, but that home game against Georgia Tech looks winnable. Home games against Louisville, Miami, and, and Pitt. They love, to go, they love to go to Blacksburg every once in a while and pull some crap out of their butt. And it's late November, so Virginia Tech's quick by then. I mean, I'm not putting it past Duke because they they're going to be entering conference play more than likely at three and one. And this conference is definitely a conference where you can win three games, no matter who you are. I don't care who you are. You could win. Florida State could win three games. Syracuse could win three games. Like Duke could win three games. Or Tech can win three games in the conference. So, I mean. I hate to say I don't want to play the what if game, Nick, but what if Duke would have just pulled it out against Charlotte? We'd be talking about a 3-0 Duke team hosting Kansas. We know that we would be overhyping them, or at least I would, maybe not you, but I would be overhyping them, even though I know their strength of schedule is awful. Could you imagine 4-0 Duke going to 3-1 North Carolina, rivalry game for the Bell in Chapel Hill, early October? What could have been? 
what could have been. I know. I I think they would have been, I think they would have been the worst like four and O team in the history of the world because you probably beat the, Definitely the worst undefeated power five team for sure. Oh, for sure. I'm talking about Wake Forest and Boston College, like that's true. Rob, no point. Like, like if Duke, if Duke, Duke was undefeated right now. Oh my goodness, that'd be so bad. And the worst part is, I mean, again, this would be crediting Northwestern for what they've done, not what they've done this season, like more of a history of Northwestern. But Duke might arguably have the best win out of those three teams, too. Like, I think Boston College, Wake Forest right now, and Duke. Duke has the best win with Northwestern. I think you're probably right. And, look, I will say this. I was wrong about Duke, but I had a weird feeling. And I did say this in the last podcast when we were previewing this game. I had a weird feeling Duke's – they just looked – I think it was the A&T game. They just looked really good. They looked like they were clicking a little bit. And I figured, you know, Northwestern's going to Durham. Northwestern plays really slow. Duke is a pretty fast team. They could upset Northwestern. I really wouldn't be surprised. I didn't see 30 to 7 at one point. If, if you showed me this score and I didn't know anything about what happened before, I wouldn't have been shocked. But the fact that this game was 30 to seven at one point, I was shocked. But Duke, congrats. That was great. That 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 was awesome. What an impressive win. I had some weird feeling about it because again, Northwestern plays slow. They're on the road. Um, and Duke looks very impressive going into the Kansas game. Granted, they're the worst power five team in football. Uh, but I think we're not, we're not previewing this, but I think they're going to put a pounding on Kansas. Um, but what an impressive win. Northwestern's not easy to beat. They're usually hovering around the top five or six in the big 10, at least within the last three or four years. So very impressive win. They don't look dead. And I agree with you, Micah, they could pull off two or three conference wins. It wouldn't be surprising to me at this point, just with not only with the ACC, but with how chaotic college football has been. So, so I'm going to want to close out this game with one final, like with Duke, you could pick a stat in this game and you could either run with Duke being a bowl team, or you could run with Duke being like, just like you could just be incredibly frustrated. So I always harp on Duke for turning the ball over. You know how many times they turned the ball over in this game? I don't. How many? Three times. If you would have told me Duke turned the ball over three times against any Power 5 team, I'm going to say they lost. Even Kansas, to be honest with you. I would say they would lose. Northwestern turned the ball over five times. So they had a plus two turnover margin, so that, that saved them. Duke? Guess how many total yards Duke had against Northwestern this week? Well, I see Holenberger had 314. Durant had 102. So I'm going to assume around, oh, on the cusp of 500 yards. 562 yards against a Jesus. defense that at one point, again, this was last year, but Pat Fitzgerald's defenses are not known for giving up 500 yards to anybody, let alone Duke. Like, like you can look at the stats and go like, I just went and looked. Northwestern gave up more. Like, Duke is the most yardage against for any Northwestern opponent so far this year. I mean, granted, Indiana State, not surprising there. But Michigan State was about 30 yards less than Duke was. 
Like, you can look at the stat and go, dang, Duke was moving the ball. They're actually a pretty good football team. Or you can go, dang, like, Northwestern just was bad. And Duke's just lucky as heck. Because they didn't, again, they turned the ball over a ton. And they, again, were in a spot where they could, they, they should have, they should have lost. So, it's just, just nuts. Absolutely nuts. But, anyways, shout out to Duke. Good job. Honestly, they're my team of the week in the ACC. I think that was the best win for the conference this weekend, which, well, maybe Louisville. But I think with Duke beating Northwestern and, and Northwestern still gets love for what they, you know, just last year being in the Big Ten championship game. I think for me as an ACC fan, that's my favorite win of the weekend was Duke beating Northwestern. Let's, uh, let's do a quick quick game. Your Wolfpack beating Furman 45-7. to NC State doing what NC State does, beat up their inferior opponents. Let's see how they do against Clemson. Thankfully, Clemson's on an SEC team, even though they kind of are, but they're not. I mean, good job, NC State. Way to, way to do what you were supposed to do. Oh, I want to point something out, too, before I forget. The crowds at both North Carolina and NC State were incredible, but did you see the crowd at the Duke-Northwestern game, Nick? If you want to get a laugh, go look at pictures from that Northwestern Duke game. I, if there were 5,000 people in the, in, in the crowd, I would be shocked. I think 50 students showed up. It was awful. I mean, granted, you've got two non-big football powers, like traveling crowds, in a game where both teams aren't really doing so hot so far this year. But I would argue that Mount Tabor High School may have had more fans at their game on Friday night if they were at home. I don't even know if they were than, than Duke did, especially in that fourth quarter. Like, at halftime, a lot of people left. Like, it wasn't awful. And by awful, I mean, like, there was maybe 8,000. But it it was empty. I mean, it was – it's the emptiest I've ever seen Duke Stadium in ever. I mean, ever. I mean, I know Duke's used to normally having visiting teams kind of help make their crowds look better. But there was no purple, or there was very little purple, and there was just no Duke fans. It was, it was sad. But anyways – NC State, good job. I take care of business. You know, if you want to add anything else, but man, I got nothing besides good job. <laughs> on the back. Yeah, uh, they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they needed, I said 50 points, but they came close for me to be a little bit back on them. Um, again, it's an inferior opponent. So, I mean, I'm impressed with 45 points. Uh, Leary looked good. Zonovan looked good. Everybody looked really, really good. You're supposed to look good. I will say, I forgot his name. I, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. His name's Jalen Scott. He's our replacement for uh, Peyton Wilson uh, till he is back, but unfortunately, he's out for the season. Redshirt Jr., three-star, uh, came in and looked really well. He, did, he played a very good game. Um, I'm just not going to get my hopes up for next week. So if you're a state fan, just lay low. Don't get too excited until it's game day. Then, you know, get very, very excited because we love game day in Raleigh. And it's the best team that's going to be coming into Raleigh this year. So if the offense, I know we're not previewing yet. If the offense just plays how we all think this offense can play, we could see an upset. But 
I'm, I promise you when I say this, I'm not getting my hope. I had my hopes up way more for Mississippi state than I did for Clemson going into this week, just because I know, and every state fan knows that when you do that, your heart's going to get ripped out. So good win two and one should be three and oh, let's just prepare for Clemson. All right, and the game of the week in the ACC, my uh, Virginia Cavaliers falling to North Carolina 59 to 39 and what was a very exciting first half and really honestly an exciting game all around until North Carolina kind of pulled away. Even then, it was still an incredible game. I'm not going to deep dive this game too much because we're running really, really long. I think we may even hit two hours, Nick. We're getting close, I feel like. But I will say North Carolina, this is the offense we thought what we expected. So this, if this is the North Carolina team we're going to get, this is probably the second best team in the ACC in my opinion, and maybe even, maybe even good enough offensively to be Clemson. Like if they can, if they can score early against Clemson and this offense continues to go where Clemson's offense is at currently, they're probably going to beat them. But to be honest with you, like there was a debate, you know, what would the spread be? Like on a neutral side, I would say Clemson minus 10, but I would take North Carolina personally. Like I think Clemson's going to get the, the, the spread in their favor but I would take North Carolina to, to cover and maybe even win personally. But my three takeaways, the best quarterback in the ACC right now is Brian Armstrong. Sorry, Sam Howell. I think because yes, Virginia has good receivers. I'm not saying they don't, but Joshua Downs bailed out Sam Howell a lot yesterday. Kai Chandler bailed out Sam Howell a lot yesterday by being able to establish the run. You know what Virginia could not do? And this is another takeaway. Virginia's rushing attack is freaking terrible. Who was the leading rusher for Virginia yesterday? I, I, Papa. Guess how many yards he had on three attempts? How many? Zero. Oh, shit. But he had a touchdown. So <laughs> leading rusher. So six inches probably. Yeah. Literally. It was like a yard. Yeah. I mean, like Brent Armstrong, 39 of 54 for 554 yards. If your quarterback throws for 554 yards, you should win the game, but you definitely shouldn't lose by 20. <laughs> Virginia's my, – my concern with Virginia right now as a fan but also just in general is I think the defense got caught off guard. I think – North Carolina's offense is, is is the offense we expected. So I'm not overly – I'm not going to freak out. Joey Blunt went down. Virginia has a history of secondary issues. And the thing that scares me the most, because I, I believe in momentum a lot, as a Virginia fan, the team – the offense that I want to see the, – the next offense that I want to see after this defensive performance is someone like Pitt. Like, let Kenny Pickett beat us in the air. Or any group of five FCS team would be nice. That's not ranked, at least. Who does Virginia get? This might be an insult to who I'm about to talk about. But, I mean, literally they're getting North Carolina light with Wake Forest's offense. You've got incredible receivers. You've got a well Again, I don't think Sam Hartman's better than Sam Howell, but you've got a very good quarterback who can run the ball but has a fantastic arm. 
Again, I think Ty Chandler might be one of the best backs, maybe even the best running back in the ACC. I, I, when Tennessee lost him and he went to North Carolina, I did not, I wasn't as concerned about their ability to run the ball after losing what they lost in their backfield. But I would say Christian Beal Smith is very similar to Ty Chandler in terms of the weapon ability to run the ball. Like Virginia, you are just getting another North Carolina. Not maybe not as good, but another style of North Carolina where they can hit you in the ground, or excuse me, on the ground and in the air. So be honest, I think this Virginia offense is top three in the ACC. Oh, that's by that's actually back to can't run the ball. They're definitely the best passing team in the ACC, in my opinion, right now. I think that that Virginia can, you know, looking at their schedule, like seeing the issues that Miami's currently having, I think that they could have success throwing the ball against Miami, against Louisville, against Duke, against Georgia Tech. And I think I think that they can go to Provo and give BYU's defense an issue throwing the ball. But they, if they can't stop, like if they can't, I mean, again, I think the offense is one of the best ones they'll see this year. But it doesn't get any easier. I mean, again, your next couple quarterbacks, Sam Hartman, Eric King, and Malik Cunningham. You can't slow down the if you can't slow down the passing attack and get you get beat. Like the thing that frustrated me the most with Virginia was in years past when Virginia's beat North Carolina, they've stopped the run. Yesterday, they couldn't stop anything. Like if Sam, Sam Howell throws 400 yards again, like Sam Howell had a, a worse day yesterday than he did two years ago and three years ago against Virginia. The difference was that Virginia could not slow down the rushing attack and they were, they couldn't tackle. And that was a big red flag for me. North Carolina looked like the North Carolina team that we put in the preseason top 10, top 15. That's what I saw from them. And again, I think Virginia's offense is like the hype that, but that Virginia's offense got from internally from Bronco men and all from that staff. Like they were really excited about it. They, they weren't wrong. Like, this is the first time as a Virginia fan that I've, I've, I've felt so confused in my life. Cause I was so, I'm so used to when Virginia puts up 30 points, we win games. And for the first time in a long time, I'm concerned that 30 points isn't enough. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm curious your perspective. I hope you got to watch some of it. You know, obviously as that was you know, the, the nightcap game, but I mean, this was like, people are like, kind of like, it's some Virginia fans think the sky is falling in a sense. It's like, I think Virginia just proved that they're a top six, 17. Like they're the top half of the conference though. In my opinion, I think we saw like if this Virginia Wake Forest game. When I tell you, I mean, even just for me personally, having feeling like liking both teams a lot, like this is going to be a fun game because something's going to have to give and more than likely it's going to be a shootout. And it's the ESPN two game, like the game of the week or not game of the week, but the game of the night. On national TV, it's the game of the night. I mean, I hope Virginia fans show up at Scott Stadium. I really do, because this is a game that it should be bumping and it should be a, a damn good game. And to be honest, I'm kind of prepared. Thankfully, I get, I get an extra hour earlier of a kickoff, the 6 o'clock kickoff for me. This game could go for four and a half, maybe even five hours if these defenses, you know. Again, I don't, I'm not saying my first defense has a bad defense, but I think Virginia's offense – can have success against Wake Forest's defense. Well, 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 the oldest rivalry in the South, in the South gives us another shootout. Uh, look, Virginia, they're a good team, great team. Offensively, they look fantastic. Uh, 
And I, Carolina fans, told you not to panic, so don't panic after that Virginia Tech loss. You're going to be right back where you were because you're talented enough to do it. This win against Virginia proves it, not only because they beat it by 20 points, but the fact that they dealt with adversity also in this game because Virginia came back and took the lead, and then UNC uh, starts to run away again. I, I'm very impressed. UNC, I think you said it last night. I think you said it from our Twitter account, Micah. Somebody said it. I don't know. It was very late last night. This UNC offense would have beaten Clemson tonight. And that is a fact. UNC, if they had played Clemson last night, they would have won. In fact, they probably would have destroyed Clemson, to be honest with you, uh, because I think Virginia might have a better offense than uh, Clemson as well. So, Carolina, you guys look great. Uh, I think you're – I think the scare of Virginia Tech should be wearing off by now because – Again, look, that was a Friday night game at Blacksburg, first game of the season, conference opener, which is, again, very scary. You're going in one of the worst environments ever. Um, that should be all in the rear view now. Now you just look forward to the rest of your games if you're Carolina. If you're Virginia, that was a great show out, um, but I think you just said it best. They're playing UNC, would you say, lighter, light UNC or something like that against Wake Forest. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, great game though. This game's always a shootout. I love it. Uh, I love it when these two get together. Uh, this is a, like a rivalry that I think should be talked about more, should be taught, uh, brought up more. Um, I think it's a very underrated rivalry that we have in the ACC. So it was a very great game. Brandon Armstrong is electric 554 yards i mean that's insane that's crazy um that's all i got on this game uh unc they looked as they look as good as i think they will so yeah i mean that was i wish the score i wish virginia would have kept it close i wish like it would have been like a touchdown game because then it would have been a i think a positive takeaway for the conference all around with North Carolina winning big, it kind of, in my opinion, docked Virginia a little bit. Like I think if Virginia would have lost by a touchdown, they may still have received a vote or two to be top 25. This week, but they're not, I mean, they didn't and rightfully so. Yeah. But I mean, that was a fun one. I mean, I think we should probably wrap this one up here. We've been gone a while here, but this coming week for the ACC is going to be fun. I mean, obviously, we'll probably preview it Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, probably Tuesday if we can, of course. Let's look at the slate real quick. Just quick, quick little peek. We get more into conference play here. Of course, now my uh, my service doesn't want to work great, of course. You know, I love that. There we go. You know, Wake, Virginia. Okay, I'm going to go, we'll go through some opening lines of ones that are being listed so far because, you know, group of, or the FCS ones won't be listed now. Wake Forest is a four-point dog to Virginia on Friday night. Liberty is a six-point favorite at the Dome on Friday night. You got a 7 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2 for Virginia Wake and 8 o'clock on the East Network for Liberty Syracuse. Then at noon kickoff, Boston College, only a two-point underdog 
at home against Mizzou. Interesting. Pitt, New Hampshire, Richmond, Virginia Tech, Central Connecticut State, Miami, all in that early slate. No spreads there. 3.30 on ESPN2. Louisville goes to Florida State. Florida State, only a two-and-a-half point underdog at home. Clemson, NC State. Oh, oof. 3.30 kickoff on ESPN. NC State's a 10-point underdog. But you know what the over-under is here, Nick? Maybe the, the, the high, like the, this might be the lowest over-under I've ever seen in the history of a Clemson game. I'm going to say 51 and a half. 47. Damn. I mean, that means that Vegas thinks it's going to be like 34 to 14 in that ball. That's not even right. That's that's 20 point game. So 27 to, yeah, okay. Yeah. 27 to 20 area. I don't know. That's, that's crazy. All right. Um, Kansas Duke, four o'clock AC Network. Oh my goodness, this might be the biggest spread I have ever seen in favor of Duke against a Power Five team recently. Do you want me to guess? You can if you want to. Duke's favored, right? Yeah. I'm gonna say Duke minus Duke minus nine and a half. Fourteen and a half. Wow. Yeah. I might have to take Kansas in the spread. <laughs> that's pretty big. I don't know if I'm that confident in Duke. I know. That's pretty big. I'm not going to I think lie. that's an overreaction of the combo of Duke beating Northwestern and Kansas losing to Baylor by like 50. And then the, the only night game, and I'm glad it's the only night game in the ACC because I actually have to work Saturday night. North Carolina is a 12-point favorite going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Georgia Tech. And that's on the AC network as well. So, again, great, pretty solid slate of games. And it'll be a chance to have some more ACC crazy, craziness because, I mean, minus Kansas Duke and some, I mean, some crazy and Missouri Boston College. Like, I mean, again, it's mainly conference stuff. I mean, Liberty Syracuse, but I don't think anyone's predicting Syracuse to win that game. So, at least I'm not. But yeah, this should be a good slate. But uh, any final thoughts here, Nick? And do you want to send us out? I would love to send us out. I have two final thoughts. First, I forgot to mention this about Louisville. I'm going to give Louisville a little bit more credit because I just realized, I remembered this Friday night. They played three games in 12 days, and you and I even talked about that uh, uh, when we were previewing their season. And to come out 2-1 and one like this with a great win against UCF, I mean, they played Ole Miss on a Monday night. And then Ole Miss have, looks really good. I, I want to add that in there too. Yeah, like, Ole Miss looks fantastic. Like honestly, Ole Miss, like, I could like, I don't have them in my top twenty. I am like at like nineteen or something in my rankings, but I could see an argument for them being top ten team. Like they've looked, like they've looked better than Clemson. They've looked better than Ohio State. They've looked better, honestly, than Georgia. In my, they look better than many good teams, but they look like honestly. When you said Alabama's lo- like might lose a game, that's the team I'm circling for them to lose to. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, they look better than Oklahoma. And guess who Oklahoma played this year? Tulane. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna give Louisville a lot of credit. You play uh, maybe the third or fourth best SEC team um, this year on a Monday night. Then you go into Saturday 
I know it was a cupcake game, but then you have to go back on a Thursday night. So you play three games in 12 days to come out two and one and put up somewhat of a little bit of fight against Ole Miss is impressive. So that's one of my final thoughts. My other final thought, and that this will send us out on our way. Just wanted to say thanks a lot to um, everyone who's been following us on Twitter. I don't know if you noticed, Micah, the numbers have been going up. We're up to 1900. We're almost at 2000, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 1931 followers. So it, 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 what I noticed is that everyone follows us throughout the weekend when all the games are going on. So uh, we appreciate that. So if you're new to this, welcome to our podcast. Uh, we love talking about ACC sports. And uh, we know we have a lot of people that uh, interact with us on Twitter, especially Turkey Girl, uh, the Virginia Tech fan who's always in my mentions. I think she doesn't like my haircut or something, wants me to get a haircut. And she's always in my mentions about my rankings and my takes and everything. But it's all fun and good because we love interacting with you guys. I think it shows us that, you know, we're doing a pretty good job and, we have a lot of listeners, so uh, thanks a lot. Um, anything else, Micah? No, that's it. Go ahead and send us off here, Nick. Looking forward to week four, and just so you guys know, it just means a little bit less here in ACC country, and go ACC. Go ACC is right.